All right, good morning. I wondered if I was going to be hoarse, man, I was screaming. It's always a great thing about sitting in the front row, right? Nobody can hear you sing, so you can yell as loud as you want. All right, so a couple announcements before we get started. One, just to keep you updated on where we're at financially, so we'll go ahead and put up the giving slide uh, from last month. So budget, where we're at in the general fund, where we are is over budget for the month and over budget uh, for the year. And so we share that with you, obviously, to keep you informed of what's happening. And again, I want to celebrate with you because a lot of the talk in the, the Christian world with churches being shut down and people deciding whether they're going to go to church or not has been, wow, we don't really know, you know how churches are going to make it financially. And so one of the things that we want to thank you guys here for and you guys are online is, is that you believed in what we said in the beginning, which was this. You know, not only do we need to keep it going, we think this is the greatest time in the history to be able to preach the gospel than ever before. So we got to keep moving and not sit back and wait. We got to push forward and not hope that things change. We need to be the forefront in the forefront of this uh, pandemic and preaching the gospel and not going from the backside of it. And so you guys have made it possible, but not only continuing to give, but giving above and beyond, which we're finding out right now is great because there's more need than you, we've ever had uh, ever in the history of, of being together as a church of those people who not only need the love of Christ, but people who are out of work and people that are struggling financially because of what's going on. So we celebrate and thank you for your generous uh, giving. Thank you for believing in, in what we're doing, and thank you for continuing to be a part of it. Even though for some of you who aren't here and haven't been here uh, and are watching online, you continue to, to give uh, to Life Church and celebrate that even in the midst of all this, four new people decided, you know what, I want to be a part of the team and I want to be a part of giving on a regular basis. Yeah, so that's, that is something to celebrate. The other thing is, uh, we are rebranding ourselves here at Life Church, um, and for a couple different reasons, but here's the main reason, is that we've been talking for the past year about where are we as a church, where have we been, and where do we need to go in the future. One of the things that we've recognized is that there is a miss, missing group of people in the church today, and it's not just life church, it's in the church in general. This 18 to 26, 28-year-old group of people are completely absent from the church. And there's a lot of different reasons, and people can talk about what those dis- different reasons are. You know, they, they were in stuff when they, they went to church, because this is the normal story. Like, they went to church, and then, you know, they went off to college, and then they just never got back in, or they never went to church growing up, and so they're, you know, they're not involved in the church today. The point is, is that we don't want to sit back and make excuses for or point at and say, this is why they're not coming, we want to do something about it. So we as a church are focused on for the foreseeable future, not that we're not going to continue to do what we're doing, but we're not going to ignore that there's a group of people missing from the church and that we need to do something about it. So part of that was to look at, we haven't really looked at our branding for a really long time since actually a couple years into starting the church. And so we looked at it and we we brought some consultants in to look at it and we talked through the whole mission and vision of who we are as a church. Um, And so we're going to be rebranding all of our ministries. And so we're just going to give you a sneak peek at some of the logos that you're going to be seeing. So this is going to be the new Life Church logo. And then you'll see like Life Students, Life Kids, um, also the Cafe of Hope and Champs Academy, which is our business for missions here at Life Church. So Champs, it is in here and Cafe of Hope is out there. So everybody's getting a new brand and, and, or a new logo and we're going to rebrand ourselves and we're going to keep looking at, you know, obviously 
this isn't the answer to reaching a generation of people, but again, it was a start knowing that we've got to continue to look at what we're doing uh, to be relevant to, to that generation of people as we continue to equip more people to carry out uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ into this world. So be looking for that coming out, new colors, new t-shirts, new signs, all that, that will be coming. All right, so if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. So we are coming out of our Go Fish series, but we are uh, finishing up our 1 Corinthians series of going through the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, we talked a little bit about last week, right? So 1 Corinthians 15 is a long chapter, right? And in 1 Corinthians 15, it's talking about this idea of what does the resurrection mean to Christians, right? So what should the resurrection mean to Christian people? Last week, we said, here's what's hard, and, and, uh, and I see this, right, because I, I try to share the gospel with a lot of people that are skeptical, so anybody that's out there that's kind of skeptical of Jesus and believing, I get an opportunity to sit down and talk to them, and everybody says the same thing, like, I can't put my hands on it, right, like, you're telling me Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and, you know, he's crucified on a cross and sits at the right hand of the Father, but how do you know it's true? And how do you know that it's not just something in history? And I, you know, I just can't put my hands on it. And you know, a lot of people in today's culture is like, it's hard for me to believe. I'm not just believing anymore because my parents told me to believe, right? Now kids are investigating, what is this? And should I believe what it says? Well, last week we talked about, there are some proofs of the resurrection, right? Like scripture is a proof. In Scripture, there were eyewitnesses, you know, that, that saw Jesus, you know, raised from the dead and come back. So, but they said the biggest proof to the resurrection, right, the biggest proof to people who are skeptical is your life, right? Each one of our lives is the proof of the resurrection. Or, this is the other thing that we said, or the disproof of the resurrection. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the way that you live your life, and, and I shared this with you. When people look at our lives, the level of change can be different, but the change is always there, right? People are going to say, this is where you were, and you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and now your life is either here, your life is here, you know. But when they see change, what we want them to see is not that we've become a better person, but Jesus Christ has changed our life. That's the proof of the resurrection. Like, if you ever look at somebody and you'd be like, you didn't know them for a really long time, like you knew them in high school, and they were somewhat crazy, and then you see them today, and you're like, how the world did they ever get there? You know what I mean? Like they've turned their complete life around and, and we're saying because of Jesus, like only Jesus could have done that. In fact, I shared this with you guys last week. People from Adams County that knew me from high school now know that I'm preacher. They would flat out say there has to be a Jesus, right? Because there's no possible way you can go from where you were to where you are today without somebody changing you from the inside. Like it just doesn't happen naturally uh, that way. So he talks about that in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15. Then he continues to talk about the resurrection. And what we're going to look at today in 1 Corinthians 15, and, and if you're scrolling down, and we'll starting in verse 50. Now what he talks about is, now that you know that you are, as a Christian person, that you are for sure going to spend eternity in heaven, what does that change in the way that you live, right? Like, what does that change now that you know that, that you're going to spend eternity in relationship with God in a place called heaven, and you're going to have a new body, and all that stuff's going to be different, how does it change the way that you live? And so I want to read to you, uh, this comes from an unknown author, and, and I want to read this to you because I want to kind of frame it in uh, what I think is relevant in people's lives today. Here's what it says. 
There is a preacher, of old, uh, a preacher of the old school, but he speaks as boldly as ever. He's not popular, though his, um, through his, the word is his parish, and he travels every part of the globe and speaks in every language. He visits the poor, calls upon the, uh, calls upon the rich, preaches to the people with every religion and no religion, and the subject of his sermon is always the same. He is an eloquent preacher, often stirring up feelings with no other, which no other preacher could, bringing tears to the eyes that never weep. His arguments none are able to refute, nor is there any heart that has remained unmoved by the force of his appeals. He shatters life with his message. Most people hate him. Everyone fears him. His name is death. Every tombstone is his pulpit. Every newspaper prints his text. And someday everyone will be his sermon. How's that for an uplifting start? <laughs> but here's, here's what I want you to start processing, right? Just like this unknown author talks about, when you talk about the subject of death, you know, different people have different views on it. In fact, I shared with you guys a long time ago, like my view of death, like when I was a kid, all my grandparents were already dead. And so I never actually saw anybody die. You know, nobody close to me had ever, you know, died and nobody ever close to me had ever, you know, passed away or even been close to passing away. Most of the people around me were young. And so I never really thought as a 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old, like, I never really thought about death. You know, you don't really think about it if you've never experienced. In fact, Sherry and I get married and still at this point, we have not had anybody that has been close to us ever experience death. And uh, again, I, I've told you guys before that, you know, my mom was the first experience of, de of death that I had. And how crazy is that? You know what I mean? Like, could it have been a grandparent maybe to ease me into it a little bit better? But my mom was the first one. In fact, didn't have much of a relationship with my parents for a while. And then Sherry and I, you know, decided we're going to fix this relationship. So uh, Brady and Lexi were just really little at the time. In fact, Lexi was uh, maybe a couple months old, I don't know, six months old. But anyway, we decided, you know what, we're going to go over and see them. So we go over, drive over to their house and you know, decided we're fixing this relationship. So that night I helped my dad put brakes on, on the Dakota that we had at the time. And mom would take Lexi around and tractor rides, you know, on a garden tractor. And then dad would take Brady and he put him up in the big tractor and they're riding around. We have pictures of all these things. This was a Sunday. On Monday, on the way to work, my mom was driving down the road, got dizzy, pulled off to the side of the road and died instantly. That was my experience of death for the first time. Since then... <laughs> You know, my perspective when it comes to death is just like what he talks about. Because not only have I experienced it personally in a lot of different circumstances to, you know, people that I love, but I've been with a lot of people who have experienced death and tragedy in their life. And just like the preacher says, the idea of death and how we handle that, like people that I've seen, grown men that I've never seen have emotion at all, and somebody dies that they love, and I see tears comes from their eyes that I thought would never happen, right? Because 
death brings that. Conversations with people who have never talked about Jesus in their entire life are now sitting in a family gathering where they've lost somebody they loved and now they're, they're talking about eternity, like what happens now with this person that is now in the casket, what happens to them afterwards. And I've been able to have conversations with people about Jesus that would have never talked about Jesus before, right? The idea of death or the idea of what happens after death stirs up inside of each one of us things that sometimes we don't process or think about. And so what Paul's talking about is your idea of the resurrection or your idea of what happens after death is going to change the way that you live. And it's going to change the way that you spend your time. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, that's what we're going to be focusing on. But I want to frame it in a context that I think is going to be relevant for all of us, because that's an important thing to do, right, is some of you in this room might have never experienced death, and so when I talk to you about this, you're like, I don't even know, or haven't had much experience with that, so I want to frame it around the idea of what we're dealing with today, and that, and, and how we're going to be able to deal with that, so I'm going to frame it around the idea of how is the church and you responding to the coronavirus, Okay. Now, when I was thinking about whether I should talk about this or not, like everybody has an opinion of the coronavirus, and, and believe me, I have one too. If you want to talk to me about it, I can sit down and talk to you about it. About should you wear a mask, should you not wear a mask, should you not come to church, should you come to church, you know, should things be closed or should things be open? Like there's a lot of different things. I have an opinion. If you want to know them, I don't feel, you know, bad sharing them with you. I just don't have time for that today. But what we're going to look at today is with this idea that how do Christians respond to this? People are dying of the coronavirus, right? People out there are saying the thing that we should fear, the thing that's going on is that people are dying from the coronavirus. What should the church's response and what should our response be inside of that? And I think we're going to frame it together so that you can see it. So with that in mind, this is in Job 14.5. Okay, Job 14.5 says this. A person's days are determined... You have decreed the number of his months, and you have set the limits that he cannot exceed. Okay, so Job talks about just what all of Scripture says. All of Scripture says this, from the time that you're born to the time that you die is already set. Okay, time that you're born to the time that you die is already set. You know, and, and again, in there at different times says number your days, count your days, be reminded of those things, right? Because you can't change them. You can't change the day that you die, you can't ch- or the day that you were born, you can't change the day that you're going to die. Like, that's already out there. So with that in mind, okay, when we know that people are going to die, because this shouldn't be a fact, whether it's the coronavirus, cancer, flu, or whatever, people are dying, right? Like, it shouldn't be a shock to us when they put the numbers out there that people are actually dying in the United States of America, Like, that shouldn't be a shock to us. What we need to do with that in mind, that people are dying, what should the church's response be, right? What should a Christian's response be knowing that all of our days are numbered, right? That each one of us in this room, from the time that we, you know, from the time that we're born to the time that we die, we have a a certain amount of days. What should we do with those things? Billy Graham has a great quote that I want to read to you. Here's his quote. It says, our days are numbered. One of our primary goals in our lives should be to prepare for our last day. The legacy we leave is not just in our possessions, but in the quality of our lives. 
What preparations should we be making now? And this is what I love. The greatest waste in all of our earth, which cannot be recycled or reclaimed, is our waste of time that God has given us each day. I mean, think about this. Time that you're born to the time that you die, the only thing that you control is what's in between. Are we taking advantage of the time or wasting our time, right? And that's where, when I look at this, you know, I look at the Christian's response when, we're, when we look at this idea, because here's some of the numbers, right? So when I look at these numbers, 54 million cases, right? That's what they're saying, 54 million cases of coronavirus. 1.3 million people have died from the coronavirus. When I see that on the screen, when I see people are sick or people are dying, when I look at 1.3 million people died from the coronavirus, you know what I see? 1.3 million people who no longer have an opportunity to hear the gospel. That's what I see. When I see it, I'm saying there are 1.3 people, and I don't know where they were with their faith, but I do know in 1.3 million people, there are some people who died a Christless eternity. Right? And then I'm sitting here thinking, what are we arguing about? <laughs> what are we wasting our time on? You know, what are we having our discussions about? Shouldn't the response be of the church is the only thing that we can control? where people are spending eternity because you didn't bring the virus and you can't shut down the virus. And then I, everybody has an opinion on how you can slow it and what you're going to do, but you're not God at the end of the day. God's in control of all of it. You know what you have control over? The message that people hear in the midst of it. And here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> when I look at 1.3 million people dying, I'm thinking we're wasting our time arguing about things that, well, the president did or didn't, or this person did or didn't, or the new president is or isn't going to do. I don't even care. I know that that should mean I should have about 400 million conversations with people. That's what I know. I know what the coronavirus should bring up. Conversations with people who are now thinking, well, I never really thought about death before, and now people are thinking about death. Or you got the coronavirus and you felt like you were death, right? Like you had it and you couldn't get up and you were tired or you were sick or whatever those things were. For the first time, you're thinking, wow, you know, I was young and maybe, you know, maybe I need to think through these things. And so for us as a church and for us as individuals, I wanted to frame it in this context because I think right now we're living in a time where you have multiple opportunities to have conversations to share the gospel because everybody is talking about it. And our response into that can be a response of, you know, opinion or it can be a response of, here's what I know my response is going to be. I am a believer in Jesus Christ and I want you to understand this. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ and I want you to hear it. I want you to see my life, think about this, I want you to see my life as a witness that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, not that Jesus Christ is still dead. And sometimes when I look at the way people are responding to this whole thing, I'm thinking, Jesus must still be dead. Because the way that we're responding to it isn't that we serve a living Christ who has a message that could change the world. Sometimes it's like, well, God's not involved and nothing's going to change and everything. You know, the doom and gloom that goes with all of that stuff. So in it, we have to decide how are you going to respond? How are we going to respond to the resurrection? So 1 Corinthians 15, that's where we're going to start, okay? Verse 50, and again, this is going to put the context around, you know that there's a resurrection, you know that there's life after death. Let's talk about what Paul thinks and how we should respond. He says, I declare to you, this is verse 50, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, 
nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. So here's what he says right from the beginning, thinking about the resurrection. Uh, Some of you have experienced this, some of you haven't. The older you get, you notice that your body isn't what it was a year ago. Anybody feel me? Like when we first started Life Church, I had black hair. You know, if you look back at any of the pictures, like I actually have black hair and a black beard, but that has all changed. And you know, you wake up and you're like, it's just not working the way it used to. You know what I mean? Like things don't go as fast. Like you go to race your kids, you think that your legs are faster, you know, because in your mind it was like you were 10 years ago running and then you just can't get it moving, right? And you just can't get going. Like things change inside of your body the older you get, you know? And so we sit here and we think about that. Here's what Paul's telling us to think about. That should just be a reminder, this isn't your home. You weren't made to be here forever. That's why your body is falling apart because you can be reminded of this. No matter how much your body falls apart, you're getting a new one, right? Like you have a new home and a new, like your house is falling apart and you can't keep up on the repairs and your car's a piece of junk and you can always be thinking everything in this world deteriorates, but I can look forward to the time when nothing deteriorates, when everything is new. This is the place that I'm going. So he's saying, every time you have that ache or pain, Every time you want to kick your car or burn down your house, you know, for all of the things that are going on, you can think, you know what, it's not forever. I got a new house and I got a new place coming and a new body coming. So he says it's a reminder for each one of us that there is a resurrection. So every day that you wake up, some of you who are young haven't experienced this yet, but as you get older, every day you wake up and it doesn't go quite as well as it used to, you can start thinking, you know what, that's just a reminder, this isn't my home and I'm looking forward to the home that I'm someday going to and I'm excited about that place because this world is hard to live in at times. This body doesn't do what it used to do and it's difficult sometimes and he's saying that's okay because this isn't your home, your home's to come. You know what the other thing that he says? And that time that we're talking about when you go home happens in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, right? Just in a moment. And any of you guys that have experienced death, this is what you know. The day before, everything was going down the road, and in a moment, your life completely changed. In a moment. Like I think about this, like I'm completely aggravated, you know, that my mom died at 51 because I think it's too early, right? Like, I think it's too early. Like, I, I think she should have had more time that she had to live with us. But you know what I think back on? I'm, as much as I'm aggravated, I'm reminded that I'm thanking God that I got Sunday. Do you know what I mean? And I keep saying to, to everybody that I talk to, don't miss your Sundays. Do you know what I mean? And I, I don't know what your Sunday is right now, But just so we understand, you're not guaranteed not only next year, you're not guaranteed next minute. Don't miss the moments. When you need to talk to somebody, go talk to them. When you need to heal a relationship, go heal it. When you need to share the gospel, go share it. When you need to fix something in your life, get it done because you don't know if your Sunday's coming. You know what I mean? Because don't we live in a world that it's like, you know, I'll get to it, right? 
next week. You know, I'll get to it. You know, I'll, you know, I'll go on that vacation when we have enough money. Let me have you speak from experience. You never have enough money, <laughs> right? Doesn't matter. We'll go whenever the kids are gone. And then when the kids are gone, it's just a new challenge. You know, we'll do it when this happens in your life. I'm just telling you, listen, you aren't guaranteed that part of life. Don't miss the opportunities that God gives you for today. Because that's what he's trying to tell us is live as if it could be gone in the twinkling of an eye. Think about how you live your life. If you knew, think about this. If you knew that that was really the case, would it change the way that you live? Like if you knew that you get two more hours, would you change how you spent your next two hours after church? If you knew you get two days, would it change the way you spend your next two days? And I think if it would, then we should probably think about how we're living because you're not guaranteed those next two hours and you're not guaranteed those next two weeks. We should live as if this is not our home and in a twinkling of an eye, we can be taken home or those people. This is what I want you to think about. You know those people that you love that are going to spend eternity in hell? Their life could be gone in a minute too. And as much as you're thinking like at some chance I'm going to invite them to church, at some opportunity I'm going to share the love of Christ, you might not get those opportunities, so don't miss those things. So he's teaching us how to live with those things in mind. Then he talks about this in in, uh, verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then uh, then the saying that is written will come true, which the saying that Paul's talking about was written in Hosea. So Hosea in the Bible, he wrote this, and now Paul is just repeating it again when he says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. So Christ's resurrection broke the power of death, like the fear of death. And Remember how it works. So the thing that separates us from God is sin, right? So for every person, what separates us from God is sin. And so when he's saying death has been swallowed up in victory, what he's talking about is this idea that Jesus Christ, not what you did, but what Jesus did for you, made it possible for you to no longer fear death, right? Because you only fear death if you don't know where you're going, right? At least I hope. Like if you know, I mean, if you think about this, I wish, this is the one thing I keep asking God for. I don't think he's going to give it, but maybe someday he would. A snapshot of what my home's going to look like someday or a snapshot of what heaven's looking like. And I know probably the reason that he doesn't because he's going to be like, everybody's going to want to leave. You know what I'm saying? Like if you saw what was next in your life, you wouldn't be like, oh, I want to stay on this earth. You just wouldn't. I mean, I mean, I just know that what he would show us is where we want to be. And I, and I think back to, if you know where you're going, and you know where your husband and your wife's going, or you know where your kid's going, although you're going to miss them on this earth, you're celebrating victory. You know why? Because you're going to see them again someday. Right? Like, when we look at death, the sting of death, and I've seen it before. You know what the sting of death is? When I sit with a family who doesn't know where their loved one is going. Because think about this for a second. You know what heaven is like? So give you a glimpse of what heaven is relationships, right? Heaven is like, I look forward to the day as much as I'm mad that mom was taken too early. You know what I look forward to is the day that she'll welcome me in. 
because I think it's going to be Jesus and her and everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, how cool would that be to be back in relationship with the people that you love? How neat would it be to talk about and reminisce with and do all this? That's what heaven is. Heaven is relationships, and heaven's being with those people that you love and knowing and being excited about, even though they're gone from this earth. I get to see them again someday. Think about this. People fear death when they don't know what's going to come or they understand this, because this is what I want you to get. Do you know what hell's like? Here's, here's what hell's like. Think about this. As much as you're in relationship in heaven with people, hell is complete isolation. Where you're going to be tortured, you know, tormented, all these things are going to go on, and you have nobody to share your pain with. You will be alone in complete isolation. And you will be away from all of those types of things. So as much as heaven is relationships and it's victory, there is a sting in death if you don't know Jesus. There is a sting in knowing that the people you love could spend eternity, a Christless eternity, in a place isolated, torment, in pain forever, right? That's what he's trying to say. Uh, for us as Christians, there is no sting, but there for sure is a sting if people that you love are going to a Christless eternity. The question in all of that is, so what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond to it? What is a, what's the opportunity that we have as Christian people? Are we just going to be like, well, I hope they figure it out. You know, I hope someday somebody tells them because I don't know if I'm going to be the one. So he's saying victory comes through, and that's what he says next. Victory comes through Christ. He says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So victory doesn't come from what you do. Victory came from what Jesus already did, right? That's, that's, that's another amen moment for all of us as Christian people where we can say, you know what? We can celebrate victory because of what Jesus did, not what we did, nor what we're going to do, right? He covered our sins in the past. He covers our sins in the present because we're all still struggling. And he's covering them for the future so we can celebrate victory. You as a Christian person, if you are a believer and somebody comes to you and talks about, are you excited about heaven? And you're like, well, I hope I make it. (laughs) Then you haven't understood the victory. It's not hope and nothing. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, The victory has been given to you through Jesus, not on what you did. So I know what you're saying when you hope, well, I'm not really living the life maybe, or I'm not really doing, or I haven't been to church. It was never what you did in the beginning or what you're doing right now. The victory is through Jesus Christ. So let's celebrate the victor, us, through the the person who gave us victory in Jesus and say, you know what? I don't deserve heaven, but I'm thankful that Jesus Christ still, through the grace of God, saved me, right? saved me, and that I can sit there and say, where am I going? I'm going to heaven. I am a sinner falling short of the glory of God who's going to stand in front of God someday with the blood of Jesus Christ making me right. And I'm going to celebrate that in the victory of where it belongs of what Jesus did for me and nothing that I could do for myself. Then he goes on in verse 58. So now that you know all of those things, that's what he would say. Now that you know in the res- and believe in the resurrection. Now that you recognize that our body and the things of this world is to remind us that this isn't our home and that we should be thinking about what we should be doing about the resurrection and knowing that, that we believe it, he gets to verse 58 and he starts that verse with therefore. Now, if you have a Bible, anytime you're reading scripture and there is a therefore, you always circle it. And this is why. 
Because if there is a therefore, it means there was information before it which calls for a response, right? That's what therefore in Scripture means. Now that you know all of these things, what should your action or your response be knowing this about the resurrection? So here's what he says, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now that we know that there is a resurrection, what's the first thing it tells us to do? Stand firm, right? Now listen, putting it back into perspective of what's going on in the world today. If you listen to the media and you listen to everything that's going on, this is what you're doing. They're back and forth. The thing's going to kill us. It's not going to kill us. This is what's going on in the world. And I mean, it's just back and forth and back and forth because you're like, how do we respond to everything that's happening? Paul says it's simple. Stand firm. Don't move. Have your anchor in the only thing that matters in this world anyway, which is Jesus Christ. Everything else in the world's going to sway. We already know that, right? You can't save the world. It's all falling apart. I mean, that's just the way that it is right? Things are going to be happening in the world. Keep your anchor, right? Stand firm in this, right? This is what we need to stand firm in, that you will then do the work of the Lord. That's what it says. Because you know that there is a resurrection, stand firm in this, that you will do the work of the Lord. What's the work of the Lord? Yeah, the gospel, right? Bringing people to Jesus. That's the work of the Lord. In the midst of all of this, you know what I'm like? I almost quit. I still do it every once in a while. I'll get on social media. I am so sick and tired of people's responses on social media to this whole coronavirus stuff. People don't wear a mask or killing people and this and that. I mean, going back and forth, I'm like, I'm, listen, here's the response. You have a chance. Share the gospel. Stop getting distracted. They're distracted. Don't let the world distract you. The moments that you have right now, people that are wearing a mask, you're not going to convince them not to. People who are not wearing a mask, you're not going to convince them to. Talk all you want. Here's what I'm talking about. Jesus Christ is the Savior to the world. Let's have that conversation. You can have one with a mask. I'll have one without a mask. I don't really care. I'm standing firm that my job while I'm here, this dash in between, because I don't know that I get the next day, I'm standing firm that my responsibility in the midst of what's going on today is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and be a witness to a living God. Because at the end of the day, here's what I know. The day that I'm born, the day that I die is already set. But I can only control what's in between, which is my own salvation. And the only thing that I can control in a world that seems to be out of control is I can be a witness to a resurrected life and I can be a witness that Jesus Christ is alive and living. And if you don't know him, let's have a conversation and talk about him. Right? That's what's happening in our world today. And this is what Paul's trying to tell us. Don't miss in a world that's trying to get you off the rails. Don't miss while you're still, why you're still here. Do you ever think about that? If our home was better than our home today, why don't we just go there? Why do you waste your time here, right? If it's always better and there's no more hurts and there's no more pain and there's no more running out of money and there's no more crazy kids and there's no more, you know what I'm saying? Like, why don't we just like, I'm ready to go home. He's like, because I still have a job for you on this earth and you, I'm not taking you until your job is done. When I'm done with you, we're moving on. But for right now, 
I got a job for you. So the band's going to come back up. I want you to consider a couple things. So if you, like Paul, wanted you to, if you're sitting here looking maybe for the first time at this, so I'm looking at the resurrection and I'm knowing that, that uh, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and I know that for me, you know, I'm saying this for you, like you know that for you and, you, and I know this for me, that, that because of what Christ did, I can now spend eternity in heaven because he's made me a home, because he's forgiven me, because of all of these things that are going to happen. How does that change the way that I'm going to live my life? How does that change what you're going to do in the dash, right? How's that change from what you're going to do from the time that you're born to the time that God's done with you? How are you going to spend your time and your money and your resources? What does that look like when we know what's a given? Our time is already determined. Our work has already been determined, right? Why we're still on this earth, what's our job? More people to Jesus, more people to Jesus, more people to Jesus, more people to Jesus. When our job is done, then we're going to move on and somebody else is going to take over our job. Christian people on this earth have a job, right? More people to Jesus, spread the gospel, share the gospel. Those are the things that we're called to do. Now, as Christians, are we distracted? Have we missed the point? Is it a time where we need to take advantage of what I think is the greatest opportunity in the history of when I've been alive to have conversations about the gospel and to have conversations about what I believe and have conversations about the Lord that we believe in and that he's alive and he's not dead and he's changing lives and great things are happening, right? Like these are opportunities to lift up the Lord, not suppress what he's doing. Like this is an opportunity to say, this is my Christ. This is the one that I serve. I'm not gonna live in fear. Right? I'm not going to live in fear. Like This is my Jesus Christ that I serve, and he's still alive, and I'm going to do the best of my ability in this time to show people that I serve a living Lord, not a dead Lord. Right? That I serve a Lord that's given me the power to be able to share the gospel, and so if I get a chance to have a conversation, I'm taking advantage of a conversation. I'm taking advantage of an opportunity. And also in Revelations 22:12, he says this. He says, look, I'm coming soon. <laughs> Look, I'm coming soon. So that could mean a couple different things. Like I've heard people talk about, like with the pandemic, the end of the world's coming. It might be. <laughs> this is what he says. I'm coming soon. What does soon mean for each one of us? Yes, Jesus Christ might be coming back or your time might be over. But he says, I'm coming back. I might come back where you're alive or you might meet me, but you, the, the end is coming. And he says this, my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what? what they've done. What have you done? Here's your dash. And in Billy Graham's quote, I mean, I can't forget this. He said, the greatest tragedy on this earth is wasting your time. And when he's talking about wasting your time, it's wasting your opportunities to share Jesus Christ with people. Now, for every person in this room, it's going to look different. But here's what I'm convinced of. If you're committed to share Jesus with people, you won't have to look for opportunities. They'll come your way. Open your eyes, open your ears, and take advantage of the opportunities God gives you. I don't think you have to go out and get them. I think there are people who want to hear it. The question is, are we willing to share it? And are we as Christians, and this is what I want to keep coming back to, remember this. There's a mandate for all of us in this room. 
A lot of things happening in the world today. The mandate is to view things and to respond to things, not by the opinion of man, but through a worldview of scripture. That's how we're supposed to respond. Everybody can have an opinion, right? Listen, I told you in the beginning, it's my opinion that God took my mom too soon. But you know what scripture says? You know what I have to believe? It was her time. I can, I can want all I want. I can want things to be different, but at the end of the day, I have to view things through scripture. That's what I have to come back to is my anchor in everything that I believe and live that way in the time that God has given me on this earth. And so for all of us as Christian people today, what will be our response knowing that we just get a short amount of time to give people the same opportunity that we've been given an eternity that, that is incredible in a relationship with God and a relationship with people around us. You, when you get your chance, take an opportunity to share that love with people. Will you stand so I can pray for you? So, Heavenly Father, when we come to you today, Lord, we understand that uh, we're living in a crazy time and a crazy world, Lord, but you tell us to stand firm on what is true. Here's what is true. You have defeated death. There is no more sting in death for those who choose to put their faith in you. No more sting. And that we as Christian people will choose to stand firm on that belief and stand firm that while we're still on this earth that there's still a job to do and that's to share a resurrected Jesus through the way that we live and the words that we say with other people who are now going to spend eternity in a Christless eternity without you. Lord, may we have the courage to take advantage of the situations and advantage of the opportunities to share the gospel and to share the love of you with all people. Heavenly Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
never gonna let me down You're never gonna let Never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna promise for us to walk out of here with, that we serve a Lord in the midst of all that's going on in our world today that says to you and to me, I will never let you down. Regardless of what's happening in this world, I will never let you down because he is a God who is good and he is a God who loves you and he is a God who says in the midst of the storm and all of the ways that he is our anchor that will never break and never let go. And so that's a promise we need to walk away with because when we walk away with that promise, we live different lives. We live resurrected lives that people will then take notice of and give us opportunities to share the gospel. So thanks for being here with us this week. We'll see you guys next week.